0: A question I like to ask people is, where are you on your spiritual walk with Jesus? I mean, do you think um, everything's going great? You're making disciples. You're preaching the gospel. Uh, people are bound down at your feet to listen to the gospel of Jesus Christ. You're getting that raise at work. Everything you touch seems to go to gold. Or maybe you're downing yourselves. You haven't had time to get in the scriptures. Um, you're barely meeting with other people. Um, God's just not a priority in life. I think it's important that we really focus. I think God, the reason he's told us to work six days, have the seventh day of rest, and no matter what day that is for you, I think it's this time that we need to take to focus on God, our thoughts. Um, we can do godly things, and you can see people do godly things, but that doesn't mean you're godly. Being in Christ Jesus, submitting to him, and, and being in prayer with him, that's how we, li- we should live every day. And if 30 seconds is all you got, I think we've missed what God really has for us. And you know, you're not in bad company. I'm not trying to guilt you. I think that's where the power of the Holy Spirit, he's the one that convicts us in our lives. and and um, But you know, uh, you're in good company. Jesus says narrow is the way that leads to eternal life and difficult is the life. It's the wide gate that leads to destruction and easy is the life. So yes, li- living this Christian life is difficult. I know getting in the word can be tough. I'll go days without getting in the word and and uh, whether it's work or family and and uh, you make excuses, but but uh, I get in the word and it's like it's it's a refreshment. It fills your soul. God wants you to be in his word. He wants you to be with a cloud of witnesses. He wants you to surround yourselves. Uh he wants you to live in the kingdom of God. We're continuing in our series of Luke. It's, it's called the good doctor. My message today is going to be out of Luke 8, it's 1 through 15, and it's called, I titled it, Kingdom Living in the Real World. The real world is tough, it's hard, it's hard to be a Christian in this life. Before we get started, though, this passage, I would like to pray. I know we took 30 seconds and and Rob prayed for us, but... I'm going to read a prayer for you. It's from Colossians 1. It's a, it's a prayer that's hold deeply to my heart, and I really believe it, it kind of opens up our, our relationship with God and how we walk with Him. Um, so if you'd open up to Colossians 1, uh, we're going to read verses 9 through 15. I'm reading from the ESV, so it uh, might be a little different if you're in other versions, and that's all right. You guys all have it. So it's Colossians 1. We're going to read verse 9 through 15. And this is really, this is my prayer for you. This is my prayer for myself. I pray this for my family. I pray this for friends. When people ask me to pray for them, this is a prayer without ceasing that I pray. And if you read throughout the scriptures, I guarantee you this prayer is littered throughout the scripture. So let read with me here. I'm going to read this. It says here, verse 9, this is Paul speaking to the church at Col- Colossians um, For all endurance and patience with joy, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in the light. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and he has transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Amen. Now, as we continue in Luke, uh, we're cur- currently in the middle of his ministry where he's beginning to speak the parables. If you look at uh, Matthew 13, Mark 4, he's also, the, the parable of the, the soils, that's what we're going to be talking about today. Uh, we're going to be looking at, at the kingdom of God, um, a cloud of witnesses, and fruitful living. Is that even possible? How can we achieve that in this world? As recorded over in Matt, Matthew 13. Uh, the, the disciples asked Jesus, why do you speak in parables, Jesus? It, does, it doesn't make sense because you speak something and we can't understand it. And this is what Jesus says in Matthew 13. He says, To you it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of God, but to them it has not. For to the one who has more, more will be given, and he will have abundance. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. Continuing to Matthew 13, he quotes from Isaiah 6 and, and uh This quote is, he's speaking to the Jews at this time, but it's a dual full prophecy. It's also meant for us today. Um, He says, You will indeed hear, but never understand. You will indeed see me, but never perceive. So, what does this mean? This, This is a parable that reveals the mysteries of the kingdom of God, it reveals truth. And you know what? When you begin to hear Jesus speak and see what he says, it's, it's gonna do one of two things. It's either gonna draw you closer to him. You're gonna want to ask those questions. Well, what do you really mean by that, Jesus? Or you're gonna say, yeah, that was good. That's a good little, that's a good little story. Um, maybe next time I'll digest it. So that's what it means. It's, it's not that it's, it's just for us here. We're to preach the gospel to the world, but some are not gonna hear. Some, and we all have ears, right? I, don't think, I may i have seen people that have been burned, may have their ears burned off, but um, we all have the ability to hear for the most part. And so he's talking to everybody. If you have ears, hear. Hear the word of God. And don't just hear it, act upon it. Those who act upon it will be given more. And those who don't act upon it, we could hear God's word, we can know God's word if we don't act upon it. That doesn't mean a thing. And, and, and that's, we. people wonder, why am I not growing in Christ? I've been a Christian 20 years, I'm still cussing. Uh, things are going bad. I don't get in the Word. Well, maybe you haven't really submitted your life to Jesus Christ. It, it, Dave spoke a couple weeks ago. Proverbs twenty-five, one, and I love this scripture. There's many others that go with it too. Um, it says, "The glory of God. It is the glory of God to conceal a matter, and the glory of kings to search out a matter." And this is very uh, truth that we speak about in these parables. You could read these parables and, oh, that's a good little parable. I'll teach it to my kids and. And uh, I don't need to dive deep into it, but I believe as a follower of Jesus Christ, these parables are going to motivate you to want to get into the Word of God. The power of the Holy Spirit is going to convict you to want to get into God's Word, to dive deeper. And I guarantee you, when you get into God's Word, it's refreshing. I remember I played football in, in college, and, and um, I remember going through workouts, and I hated, I hated running. I hated, you're tired, you're exhausted, but I knew at the end... The time when you're done and the refreshment. Gatorade was my refreshment. It satisfied my thirst. And I guarantee you, when you go to the Scriptures of God, when you lay before Him, when you bow before Him, and and get He's going to refresh you and He's going to renew you. He's the only one that can renew our spirit. The the other thing, too, if if it's not... I love what Paul says here um, in Colossians. Be filled with the knowledge of His will, will with all spiritual wisdom and understanding, not just the physical... It's spiritual. If you don't know Christ, the things of Scripture aren't going to be illuminated. And this is why so many times people say with Satan, like, oh, no, you know, Satan knows Scriptures better than I do, and he knows my life. And Satan is not omnipotent. He's not all-powerful. He's not all-knowing. He's not everywhere. He's in the spiritual realm. We fight the battle. But really, that's for Christ. You know, that's why we go to Christ. He will never experience God Like you and I can experience God. And I don't care. He might know the whole entire scripture. You can know all about someone. And I take my wife, for example. No one will ever know my wife the way I know her, let alone Jesus, obviously. You can know a lot about her and you can get to know her. But if you've never met her, if you've never walked with her, never had dinner with her, you will never get to know her. And that's the thing with Satan He might know God's scripture and his truth, but that's why he distorts it. He does not know the God like we know him today. So with that in mind, let's dig into our passage. It's Luke 8. So if you can open up there. And we're going to talk about the kingdom of God first. It's Luke 8. Uh, We're going to read the whole passage here, though. We'll read it in totality. Luke 8, uh, verse 1. It says here, Soon afterward, he, that's Jesus, he went through the cities and the villages. He was proclaiming and bringing the good news of the kingdom of God. And the 12 were with him, and those are his disciples, and also some women who had been healed of evil spirits and infirmities. Mary, she was called Mary Magdalene, from whom seven demons had gone out, and Joanna, the wife of Shusa, Herod's household manager, and Susanna, and many others who had provided for them out of their means. And when a great crowd was gathering and people from town after town came to him, he said in a parable, he says this, he says, A sower went out to sow a seed. And as he sowed, some fell along the path and was trampled underfoot, and the birds of the air devoured it. And some fell on the rock, and as it grew, it withered away because it had no moisture. And some, well... It fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up with it and choked it. Some fell into good soil and grew and yield a hundredfold. As he said these things, he called out, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. Continue verse 9. It says, "When And when the disciples asked him, What does this parable mean? He says to them, To you has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of God. But for others they were in parables, so that seeing they may not see, and hearing they, might not, they may not understand. Now the parable is this. The seed is the word of God. The ones along the path are those who've heard. When the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts so that they may not believe and be saved. And the ones on the rock are those who hear the word. They receive it with joy, but they have no root. They may believe for a while and in time of testing they fall away. And as for what fell among the thorns, <laughs> well, they are those who hear But as they go on their way, they are choked up by the cares, the riches, and pleasures of life, and their fruit does not mature. As for the good soil, they are those who hear the word, they hold it fast in an honest and good heart, and they bear fruit with patience. Now, the most interesting part of this entire passage to me, and this has always been fascinating to me, and I hope it is for you too, maybe not, is verses 8 and 15. Um, They speak about the good soil. It's a seed which produces a hundredfold fruit. Um, it's a good, honest fruit. It's a it's a fruit that bears with patience. I mean, that's what when we're serving God, and it's not just to accumulate fruit for ourselves, but it's it's knowing the wonders and glories and mysteries of Jesus Christ. That's why it's talked about the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven. To those that don't have the power of the Holy Spirit, they're not going to understand. But when you come to life in Christ Jesus, when you give your life over to him, the power of the Holy Spirit is going to illuminate you, and you're going to read through those scriptures, and it's going to take a a whole new meaning of what's going on here. Now, I mean, if it's even possible, um, because this life is tough, is it possible to be fruitful, to live a life of joy, to walk in obedience to Christ? Well, if you were to do it on your own, I would say it's pretty impossible. But with God, all things are possible. I mean, who wants to be known as a, as a, a soil that's hard, that's full of rocks and even choked out by thorns? I'm sure we know some of these people. And, and, um, but you know what? We should long to please our Savior. We should long to fall in love with the God who has created us. He knows what is best for us. He's not a cosmic killjoy. He's not trying to ruin our lives for us. If anything, he's trying to give us life. Um, I, I just think of that day, and this is what motivates me even, is as I'm walking in the world, and, and whether to be obedient or not, it's like, Lord, I know that day is going to come. It could be very well today. He could snatch me out today. He could even come back himself. Um, we're going to stand before the Lord, and the thing that I long to hear is, job well done, my good and faithful servant. And I know to some of us, oh, a pat on the back but from the God of the holy universe who tells us job well done, good and health, faithful servant. I guarantee you that is why every knee will bow and every tongue confess we will be blown away by the glory of the Lord. And to those that know Jesus, he's going to say, come with me into the eternal kingdom. To those that don't, that don't know me away, I never knew you. Often to the kingdom of eternal living hell. I know people dispute that, but it's, it's God's word and, and we stand with conviction um, yeah, that's why we are compelled to preach the gospel to people, to live in such a way that people would know Jesus as their Lord and savior. Now, I love Paul, um, a lot of his writings. Um, cause yes, we're going to have to wait for this glorious day. And, and, um, it's a dichotomy of scripture. The, the kingdom of God is now. Can we live that glorious thing and live in, in with Christ? Yes. Yes. And No. Yes, we can live it and we look forward to that day, but no, I mean, we're going to have to wait to the consummation of Jesus Christ coming back to fulfill his kingdom, but we can still live an abundant life here. And and I love what Paul says. He says, this momentary light affliction is nothing compared to the eternal weight of glory. And he even goes one step further in Philippians three. He's talking about everything is done in life. He says, nothing compares to the surpassing worth of knowing Jesus as Lord. And he continues in verse 10, he states that, G, that he might know the power and the resurrection of Jesus Christ, sharing in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death. And get this, and this has boggled my mind for years, and I love uh, just, uh, it says here in Philippians, it says that by any means possible, I may to attain to the resurrection from the dead. Now, this is not saying that he wants to die tonight and, and be in his glorified body. He's saying uh, on this earth. As I'm living my life now, I want to live as though I am in my glorified body and I, I know the riches Christ has given me and I'm able to walk in such a way that I'm not going to turn to the left or the right. I'm going to walk down. I know my purpose in life. I focused on who Jesus is and and uh, I've attained, and, and he even goes on to say, uh, Paul says that uh, not that I've already attained it or this is either I'm already perfect, but I press on to make christ my own because he has made me his own when we are in christ we are his he has bought us with a price so no longer is it my life before i get carried away let's look at what leads up to the good soil Uh, so let's look at verse one it says here soon afterward he that's jesus he went into the cities the villages proclaiming and bringing the good news of the kingdom of god The kingdom of God is also known as the kingdom of heaven. It's the invisible, eternal rule of God in heaven with Jesus as king. Now, in the broad sense of the word, yeah, God God has complete control over everything, right? But in the narrow sense of, of kingdom of God, it's for those believers that follow after him, that put their trust in Jesus Christ, that will be in this eternal kingdom forever. So that's the kingdom of God we're talking about. And the scripture says that the kingdom is here in our midst and will eventually be consummated at the return of Christ. Now, as we look here, kind of seems like an insignificant verse here, but this is the heart of, of Jesus who goes to his father and he goes from city to city, he goes from village to village and he proclaims and brings the good news of the kingdom of God. A couple of questions I like to ask people, um, and it, it's kind of, a, it's a good to see where people are at, whether or not it leads to the gospel or not, I mean, that's the hope, but but um, I love to ask people, what's your purpose in life? And I ask Christians and non-Christians too, what is your purpose? Why why did you come to church this morning? And that's even of pastors, I love, why why do you come to church? Why do you preach the word of God? What's the whole being? To be a good, a lot of it's, well, to be a good person, to do good things in life and hopefully get to heaven and... and um, well, I, I think, uh, and then the other question is, what's, what's the authority behind what you believe? Well, it feels good. My parents told me this, and, and uh, that, so, so, yeah, wh- I, why are you here today? What's your purpose? Why are you going to leave? What, when you leave these doors today, what are you going to do? I think that knowing the purpose and, and the reason why we do what we do, it kind of solidifies it. It makes it easier our path. If you don't understand your purpose... No wonder why people leave a confusing life, frustrated, and and they're upset and they're angry, and and because it doesn't go according to their plan. Well, I want I want to get good grades, uh, I want to work, make lots of money. What if that doesn't happen? If your purpose in life is to make lots of money, and it doesn't happen. That's going to frustrate you. That's going to confuse you. It's interesting. In Ecclesiastes, said that uh, God says that He has set eternity in man's heart. So it's it's God has put it there for us to To find a savior, and I know that we're depraved, and we will. It's only by God's drawing and stuff, but He He's putting our hearts to follow after Him. Uh, it's interesting. There's over, I think it's like four thousand religions in the world. They all try to uh, the the basic of life. And, and I ask people this: You know, it's like, okay, what's your purpose here in life? Where did we come from? And what's going to happen when you die? I think that's what everyone really wants to long for and and live for. And you know, if you get interesting answers and it's not just non-christians it's christians themselves and i think that's it leads to a a frustrating life you know what the good news though and we see in this jesus is bringing the good news it says that we know we can know jesus christ came to fulfill that purpose in our lives he validated his authority by dying on the cross and he rose from the dead we follow a god who is based on truth This, this is not fiction it's not fairy tale uh, that's one of the things in improving the validity of who Jesus Christ, you look at the reliability of the scriptures, the, the internal evidence, the external evidence, the, the bibliographical evidence of the, of the scriptures. But you look at the literary style. The, the Bible's written as historical truth. It's not, we know Santa Claus is fake because, or sorry to disrupt that for anybody who, <laughs> any kids in here. That, that's written historically as it's not truth. We know Santa Claus is not truth, right? But we know when Jesus, it is historical narrative. It's, uh, Jesus isn't true because the Bible is written. The Bible is written because Jesus is true. It's writing about historical truth. But that, the, the good news is that we are all sinners. We're separated from God, that those that don't know Jesus have eternity in hell. And so the good news is that Jesus came to save sinners. In fact, it even says that Jesus says, I didn't come to be served, but I came to serve, to, to save people from their sins we we'll continue on. Um, Jesus, so he's bringing the kingdom of God to us, right? He's, he's lavishly spreading his word. He's going from city to city to village to village, and they didn't have cars back then. They didn't have the internet. Um, and and to, I love in Paul, it, Paul says in Corinthians, or Colossians that we just read, it says, we have been transferred uh, from the domain of darkness to the kingdom of God. What better news is that? And, and that, that transfer, it's not a future transfer. It's right now. When you're in Christ Jesus, you are walking in the midst of the kingdom of God, the eternal, invisible rule of Jesus Christ, and he is our king. I want you to look at the next couple of verses here. Uh, cloud of witnesses. It says here in verse 1b, continuing to 1 through 3, it says here, And the twelve were with him, and also some women who had been healed of spirits and infirmities, Mary called Magdalene, from whom seven demons had gone out, and Joanna, the wife of Chuza, Herod's household manager, and Susanna, and many others who provided them out of their means. I think this is another. These first three verses, people are like, okay, let's get to the peril of the soils. But you know what? I think the importance of, of Jesus, he's bringing the kingdom of God here, and he is fervently doing it. He's going to his father. He's preaching the gospel. And he's got a cloud of witnesses behind him. Are you walking with a cloud of witnesses today? Jesus, the God of the universe, has a cloud of witnesses. And you look at who this witness is. There, yeah, he has 12 disciples. There's many other multitudes, many other people with him as well. Uh, but look at these women. You know, back then and, and even today, women are considered uh, second class. And it, it's it's disheartening. But it, when you're, if you were to write a story about a, a religious, you would not include women in your story. And that's, that's the beauty of, of proving the gospel of Jesus Christ. Even this is part of it is that he used women. He elevated women. We've talked about this many times. He's elevated women. And people try to say, oh, J- Jesus, it's, um, he's anti-women and stuff. And no, if you read the scriptures, you begin to see that he elevates. Yeah, we have different functions in Christ. There's a difference, but he elevates women. He loves women. In fact, you look at Mary Magdalene. She's from Magdala, um, she she's the same Mary who was at the tomb after Jesus rose from the dead. All four go- gospels account for her. Uh, they talk, in fact, even more about her than even some of the 12 apostles. So she's got d- definitely distinctiveness here in, in the scripture writing. This is something you wouldn't do if you're trying to make up a story or try to make up a religion. This is just something you wouldn't do. But um, she is without a doubt a special person in the life of Christ. Uh, in fact, it, it says that um, she, she was at the tomb, and she was the one that preached the gospel, the first gospel, that Jesus was risen from the dead. This, I mean, it, it's quite amazing when you look at it. But uh, then you, these, she, and she had seven demons cast from her. Praise God. Can you imagine living like that, and then here's a Savior comes and takes those demons out? She is very much appreciative to, to be thankful for God. And, and last week, Dave spoke about uh, he who's been forgiven much, forgi- loves much, We've all been forgiven much. I just don't think we don't realize it. We think, oh, I was a pretty good person. Um, everyone liked me, and I did the good things and right things. And that's pride. And God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. And it's common. We look at the sins of alcoholism and, and smoking and pornography and and um, all these things, <laughs> There are so many sins we don't see in people's lives—the pride, the arrogance, haughty eyes. Proverbs six sixteen even mentions this: uh, feet that run into evil, hands that shed innocent blood. We all, we always look like it is, we like to look on the outside of people and how are they? Oh, he's he's dressed nice and he says the nice things. He must be he must be a godly person. And and um, but you know what, folks? It's only God truly knows our hearts. Um, get carried away there, but uh. Look at these other women, Joanna and Susanna. Uh, there's much to be studied about them. Uh, Joanna, was uh, she was married to Shusa, who was in Herod's uh, temple. Herod was the king, and Shusa was his basically chief financial officer. So he, he's very wealthy. He's a CFO for Herod. And, and Shusa, um, he worked hard and, and allowed Joanna. Joanna could have had the rich things of life like Moses. But she gave it up for following Jesus. And it says here that that even these women provided for the means of Jesus and his disciples. They were fairly wealthy women. They could have taken all this wealth and they could have bought nice clothes, nice horse carriages and whatever. You know, I was going to say cars, but they didn't have cars in that day. Um, But they chose to spend it on the kingdom of God. So there, you can, there's more to unpack from these first couple of verses, but I want to continue on to see what we get to the meat of the passage here. Let's look at its verses 4 through 15. It says here in verse 4, And when a great crowd was gathering, and people from town after town came to him, he said in a parable, A sower went out to sow his seed, and as he sowed, some fell along the path, and was trampled underfoot, and the birds of the air devoured it. Some fell on the rock, as it grew up, it withered away, because it had no moisture. And some fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up with it and choked it. Some fell into good soil and grew and yield a hundredfold. As he said these things, he called out, He who has ears, let him hear. Now, I want you to get um, this here. This is the Sea of Galilee. It's kind of, you think about this, That, that um, it talks about Matthew, that, that he was at the Sea of Galilee, the people are pressing in, people are coming to see, they hear about this, Jesus. I think most of it too is not necessarily wanting to hear about his words, but maybe they hear his miracles that he can provide food. Um, remember, he's at this time very poor society per se, and, and people are looking. They're looking for a handout, and they're they're pressing in on Jesus. And and uh, but here, the, the Sea of Galilee is called the Parable of the Coves. This is most likely where he would have preached this this parable. Um, he it says that he he sat in the boat and sat down. This was common for teachers of the day, but. Um, it's interesting. If you ever go to bibleplaces.com, um, you look at all the places. It's interesting. It gives this picture. It gives even some sound bite that this is, it's horseshoe-like shaped. It's like an amphitheater. Jesus sitting in the boat could easily, his voice would carry at least 300 uh, feet or more depending on the, the conditions. So it'd definitely be amplified. People could be sitting far away and hear the voice of Jesus Christ preaching. And it's quite amazing. And they, they have audible uh, audio if you want to hear it and stuff. It's pretty cool. But um, Jesus is speaking this parable, and he uses language, which is surely the people are to understand. The birds of the air are out. Uh, it's most likely springtime. You can see all the different paths. You can see the trodden paths there. Uh, there's rocky paths, thorny paths, and then there's the rich, lush, green soil that we love to, like to attain to. Um, these people are confounded. Jesus is is the the sower who is God. And also he gives us the right to be sowers. We sow the word of God, right? He says to spread it everywhere and anywhere. And look, would you spread, if you were a farmer, you had precious seed, are you going to sow it on the trodden path? Probably not. Are you going to sow it in the rocks? I'm sure you wouldn't. How about in thorny bushes? probably not a possibility. Where are you going to sow? You want to sow it on the lush, rich, green soil. But you know what? We have a God whose will is that none would perish, but all come to repentance in Christ Jesus, that he spreads his seed everywhere. So we shouldn't delineate who's going to come to know God and who's not going to know God. We don't know. And I've seen both sides of it. People I thought would receive it with joy don't. And people who receive it, um, who I didn't think, I've had many people I'm thinking, this guy doesn't want to hear the gospel. And he hears it, it changes his life. And I think this guy wants to hear it. I preach it. and It's like crickets. So you don't know. We don't know what God is doing in people's lives. Um, we continue to read here. Verse 9 it says, when his disciples asked him what this parable meant. The other thing, too, it's, it's not up to us to be fruit inspectors. It's not my job to say, ah, you know what? I don't think this guy's really producing the fruit. That, he's not a Christian. I can't say that. Or this guy's, man, he's on fire for the Lord. We can have ideas of people. I get it. For me to say, no, this guy, he, he shouldn't know the kingdom of God or whatever. That's not up to us. You know, so let's continue to read verse 12. The ones along the path are those that have heard. Um, the devil comes away. He takes, he takes the word away from their heart so that they may not believe. This is the heart of the one, that the word of God. They, they may have no concern or conviction. It might even sound good to them. They get distracted by the busyness of life. I've been preaching to people, and, and it's like they're constantly mocking. Um, they're mocking God. They're mocking me. Oh, this is a fairy tale. Praise God, I'm still preaching the word to you, brother, you know, because maybe God will eventually soften your heart. I, it was right there in the midst of preaching. It was like the devil was snatching the very words I was speaking, the very words as he was even reading scripture um, and even preaching in, in um, groups. I, I don't like to, like multiple people because as, as you're preaching, people, um, sometimes they shoot it down. So that's trampling. Other people are trampling the word of God right there as I'm trying to talk to someone, someone else jolts, oh, you can't believe that stuff. Show me, show me that where it's true. And, and, um, but you know, God is faithful. God is faithful uh, in, in His Word, but I want to go to verse thirteen here. It says, "The ones on the rock are those who, when they hear, they receive it, but they have no root. They believe for a while, and in time and testing, they they fall away." Now, the, this is the soil, the rocks that um, there's no root to them. It can, the seed can't even doesn't even have an ability to germinate. They may maybe they don't know the foundational truths of who Jesus is. Testing comes on; they're persecuted. And I think a couple years ago, Barna, people were saying, "Oh, not as many Christians nowadays." And Barna did a study. It's not that there's not as many Christians; it's that many people who proclaim to be Jesus they realize, "Oh, wow, okay, inclusive. Um, Maybe I'm not a Christian. You know, I don't believe in the truths of Jesus Christ. They don't want to stand up to to persecution. And persecution is hard. I get it. No one likes to be shamed for their faith. Um, But I tell you, sure, when you follow Jesus." Um, you will be shamed. You will be persecuted. You will be alienated. That's why we need a cloud of witnesses with each other. So we go here, as for those that fell among the thorns, verse 14, they are those who hear, but as they go on their way, they are choked by the cares, riches, and pleasures of life, and fruit does not mature. I think this is a tricky one for us here. I suppose it's probably out of the four soils that we could get caught into. We're, we're at the wealthiest place in this wealthiest time in the world right now, and and um, we get caught up in the cares of life, the pleasures of life, and and um, and you know it's really not. I, I, it's not that you can't enjoy life, you can't have these pleasures. I, you go to Ezekiel 16, and it's interesting because a lot of times we think of Sodom and Gomorrah. Well, was there homosexuality? That's why they no. That's just, that's, that's a curse of their sin. Uh, really, it was their pride. It says here, Ezekiel 16, behold, this, this was the guilt of your sister, Sodom. She and her daughters had pride. They had excess of food. They were at prosperous ease, but they did not aid the poor and the needy. And we look at the perfect example, Jesus with these women and his disciples had given all that they'd had to help the poor, the needy, the orphans, the widow. And it's really, and that's, I love Hebrews three twelve through 13, um, exhort one another as long as it's called today, lest they be deceived by the, the deceitfulness of the, the riches of this world, how easy it is for us. And the, the parable of the soils is not, it's not finished yet. I've seen pastors, and this boggles my mind, people preach in the, in the pulpit, they retire and, and they leave. They abandon their faith in Christ. It just, it's, it's, it just fascinates me that, that um, how can you do something and then just abandon it? And it's maybe, maybe they didn't really know the, the validity of who Jesus Christ was. This last soil, and this is the one that I love, uh, this is the one that we should all just melt our hearts because uh, we want to please the Father. We want to please the one who's given us life. We don't have to earn it. It says, as for the, the ones in the good soil, they are those that hear the word. They hold fast an honest and good heart. And they bear fruit with patience. Just know that, that living in the kingdom of God, it's not like overnight, man, everything's so easy, it's fun. And that's not what life is about. It's, but when you begin to understand through patience and long-suffering that, that Christ, when we experience him, we begin to understand the purpose of life. We, we begin to understand why we serve Christ. And, and again, so I get back to the question, why do you, why, what's your purpose in life? Well, to serve Christ. What does that really mean, though? We searched the scriptures. It said, John 17, three, this is eternal life that you would know him and the one whom he has sent in Jesus Christ. So it's to know God. There's a second purpose in, in life. It's to display his glory to the world. I think when you begin to understand this, that, that we are called to know Jesus as our Lord and Savior. We're called to walk with him. I love the book of Leviticus. It's, it's a tough book, but you study it. Um, you read it and you begin to understand the first 16 chapters talk about wholeness with God. How do we access God? It's really, how do we know God? Um, the, the last nine chapters is, is about displaying our glory to the world. And back then, it's it's the Israelites, God. Really, these people are saying, God, we're unholy. How can we come to a holy God? And God says, okay, I'm going to lay out these things. And that's what Leviticus is about. Um, it's his covenant with us and we're his tabernacle. It's, it's really to, to know God and display his glory to the world. And when you begin to understand this, it's everything that we do, not just coming to church or Bible studies, but it's, it's the way we drive our cars, who we're going to marry, how we're going to raise our kids, the, the work that I do. My purpose is to serve Jesus, is to know Jesus and display his glory to the world. And how is that being played out in your life? Are people seeing the fruits of the Holy Spirit in your life? They're seeing a God who created the world and he's in you. He's done a change in your life. Or they see someone who's angry. They're complaining. They're upset. Life is not fair. It doesn't... Because life ain't fair. We deserve eternity in hell. That It's not fair that that God came to save us. So when we understand that perspective, I think it, it makes it easier... Like I said, playing football, when, when we're running, I know, man, if I, don't, if I don't run, I don't study my playbook, I get to the game, and the, the coach puts me in, and he gives me a play. Coach, I have no idea what the play you just called. What's going to happen? It's the same with walking in Christ, when we have opportunities to, to tell someone about Jesus, and, and um, why do you believe in Jesus? I don't know. I think my parents. You know, it just sounds like a good thing. We all want something to hold on to, and that's that's where people get lost in, in 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 the rocks of life, and the the thorns choke us up. And and um. But when you begin to understand, my purpose is to know God. And man, when I come to know the scriptures. And God illuminates himself to me and, and things that I don't like, but God, that's okay because God's going to do the transforming work. We're his workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works. And that's and not individually, that's as a church. So we're as a cloud of witnesses. We are to work it out together. We're proclaim his glory to the world. Are people seeing that, the, the Christ in you? Well, this is something that we're kind of winding down here. Um, This is something, I I sit, we have a round table in our kitchen. I love when Jenny and I, we get to read our scriptures together, and we talk about things of the Lord, and, but I think, I get this, I I sit there sometimes, I think, Lord, a couple things, first of all, what, what, like, Apostle Paul and Jesus, and they're all sitting there at the table with me, and then I think, and I, I go to work, and I think these, honestly, is, I go, like, okay, I'm going into work, and. And I'm here to display God's glory. My cloud of witnesses. Jonathan Hurley's praying for me. Dave Carlson, uh, Ben Palm, uh, many of these women in the church. I I thank you, women, for being faithful to the call of God. You are so appreciated in this church. Uh, I I hope you guys know that. But that's why I love is I'm going to work. It's I see I walk to work, and I'm thinking. I get. I'm like, Lord, I'm here to display Your glory. And I'm thankful for the witnesses that are praying for me right now. And as it makes it easier as a decision when I'm confront, confronted with sin. It's like, Lord, am I displaying your glory right now? By, by, by Or am I standing up for the truth? You know, and so imagine this with me. I want you, we're finishing up here. Just a couple minutes, I'm gonna, we'll finish this up. But I love this here because I think this so much and... It's a little illustration. I think you know Paul says in the kingdom we've been transferred to the kingdom of God. We've been raised out of the domain of darkness. I just think imagine now we're in the locker room of the heavens, of life, the throes of heaven, and the holy God, the wise Counselor, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are there. He says, "Hey guys, it's game time." The cloud of witnesses are there. Paul wants to attain to the the resurrection his resurrected body on this earth and 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 look so god is there and he says look i have declared you righteous and holy you are worthy of the calling because i god has declared you righteous and holy <clears throat> now Merit, we're in the we're in the throes of heaven i um, mean he says look there are people out there who have not heard the good news about jesus and they don't even realize they need to hear it you might not think so but they do and hey look guys, I need some of you. I need you to work in the HVAC system. I need teachers. I need cops. I need firefighters. I need factory workers. I need people to work at McDonald's. I need baristas. I need pastors. I need housewives. You will own companies. You will be leaders of many. And then he goes on to say this. He says, look, through my divine power that I've given you, It it, it allows everything which pertains to life and godliness. I've given you that divine power, the extension. You are my extension of my right hand. And the divine nature I've given you you will allow you to escape the corruption of the world, which is through lust. King Jesus is commissioning us to go into the world to display his glory to all men and to sow his seed. He has given us the Bible as our playbook of life, and he tells us to come in, in prayer fervently and frequently. He says, surround yourselves with other believers, proclaim the good news of the kingdom of God. And yes, he will give you the helper, the Holy Spirit to guide us and lead us. Most of all, he says, he says do not get caught up as to what you will eat or to what you will wear because God himself will feed you. He will clothe you and do not entangle yourselves with the cares, riches and pleasures of life. And know this, your inheritance, which is undefiled and unfading is being guarded by the powerful God himself who is awaiting your return. I now send you off into the world by the leading and power of the Holy Spirit and know I will never leave you nor forsake you. Now may you have a blessed life and may you be fully blessed and satisfied in Jesus Christ himself. Amen. And as we leave here today, um, I just want you to know that, that God has commissioned each and every one of us and you will reach people in ways I will never be able to reach them. And so I just encourage you guys Know God and display his glory. Let people see the glory of God. You might be the only Bible people ever ever read, but praise to the, the God, the Son that we follow. Just praise Him.